lifting up our awesome senior pastor, Jacob Hill. Can we please put our hands together as he comes to share an encouraging word? Thanks, Adele. Thanks, guys. Thanks, team. That was um, a really just great time of worship. Um, one of the things you find about worship is we, as much as it's not about us, it's cool for us. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's definitely not about you and it's not about me, but we can certainly really enjoy it. You know, sometimes people might say, oh, I don't like that worship. It's a bit this or it's a bit that. So I'll go, well, we weren't worshipping you. <laughs> but it is still cool when we get to be a part of it and have a tremendous experience. And I love it because I feel like it really, uh, it seems to open me up to be able just to, just to connect with God. And I think and God's designed us so music can... Uh, so, so we, we can music opens us up, so we're able to just be in a position to receive a, a lot more. It's like the same as we can remember a song from 20 years ago, yeah. but you don't remember what your wife told you 15 minutes ago. <laughs> you should sing it, honey. <laughs> <laughs> I welcome you guys online as well. And now we're kicking off our Easter series right now, and the series is called Jesus Changes Everything. <laughs> and uh, so I got the privilege of sharing uh, a few different times this in this series and I'm really wanting to just really lay a good foundation uh, for, for the rest really just lay a platform for the rest of our series so this morning what I want to talk about is uh, lasting change I want to talk about what what God actually wants to do and um, and the scripture I want to sort of hit it from is uh, where Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and on the Mount of Olives and he was in a, he was in a rough place. He knew his crucifixion was coming. He knew what was coming. He, uh, he, he and it, it says here, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. This is in Luke 22. Uh, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And we're really hitting it from the, this, this message is coming from that angle where Jesus, knowing everything in this amazing place of, of pain and anguish, he, he was still, even though he had something he wanted, he wanted it done a certain way, he still was in the place where he submitted himself to the Father and said, not what I will, but what you will. I'm just going to pray, Lord, I just thank you that as we enter this Easter season, as a church, Lord, even as a as a, as a nation, Lord, we you you do we, we do get to focus on the cross, Lord, uh, more more so than normal, Lord. And um, in this season, Lord, we we want to we just want to just go deeper in you, Lord. We want to know you more, God. We want to become more like you. So we just position ourselves, Lord, to receive your word and to receive what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So Jesus changes everything if we let him. If we let him. I know some Christians who are largely unchanged, even though they've been saved forever. They are still struggling with the same stuff they were struggling with 20 years ago. Um, I know people who are unchanged. They were in church each week. They believe in God, they're going to heaven, but they are still struggling with the stuff they were struggling with 
before they got saved. They were still struggling with stuff they have always struggled with their whole lives. And Jesus has not changed that. Why? Why? And, and I'm... Because they haven't let him. They haven't let him. And, and I just want to preach this, uh, a word this morning that really puts us in a position to let him. To let him into those areas. To let him have access to those places where we have said to him, you can come this far but no further. And um, he, he wants to get to the heart of the issue. So a really cool way of understanding this is in Jesus' ministry... And not just his ministry, even in the ministry of the apostles after, after his uh, you know, ascension. We, we see a couple of really cool, well, there's a couple of cool ministry, uh, miracles that come to mind for me that really highlight what this is about. So, in one place there's a blind man and he's begging. And then he says to Jesus, Master, help me. Jesus says, what would you like me to do for you? Excuse me, mighty prophet. <laughs> blind Freddy could see. Pardon the pun, seeing as we're dealing with a blind guy. What the issue is. It's like, well, hang on. He's actually there asking for money. So when he said to Jesus, help me, he could have actually been asking Jesus for money. I don't expect he was. But I think Jesus needed him to actually get to the point where he was going to directly speak to God about his issue, the core issue, the root issue. There's a place where uh, John and Peter were going up to the temple. This is in, in Acts. And there's a, there's a lame man there. And he puts out his hands to them and he says, expect, asking for money. And when they've gone over to him, it says that he was expecting money from them. And they said to him, we're not giving you money, but what we will give you is this. We will deal with the actual issue. And they say to this man, get up. Get up. The blind man Jesus was dealing with, he says, Lord, I want to see. So both of these guys were in a situation where they were asking for a surface. No, I'm not talking about asking God. They were asking anyone just to uh, take away their pain momentarily. Take away their discomfort momentarily take away the problem momentarily they were asking for temporary relief god is not interested in giving you temporary relief god is interested in lasting change and so jesus asked this blind man what do you want because jesus if he had have said jesus hey can you give us five bucks jesus would have given him that he had a treasurer whose job it was was to supply to the poor. He would, have been, he would have done that. But he needed that man to realize, I need to ask directly, I need to 
go past my surface issues and I need to get to the heart of what's my problem. And the bottom line was is if he could see, he could get a job, he could do his own work, he could provide his own income for time and, and he wouldn't need to keep getting that temporary relief. When, James and, uh, when Peter and John dealt with the, le- the lame man at the temple, he was asking them for temporary relief. And, he says, and they're like, I- I'm not giving that to you. It's no point in me giving you temporary relief. We need to get to the heart issue. And for us to actually allow, and then they said to him, get up and walk. And he got up and walked. And he, is, he didn't have to beg another day in his life, I expect. I expect he went to work. I expect he was now able to go and get gainful employment uh, and generate his own income. Because the core issue was dealt with. And we're at this point where we want Things to be better, but I just think maybe we ask for too much temporary relief and God's saying, what's the actual problem? <laughs> now, my, I've actually had another message cooking, which I, God willing, I'll use next week about what I really wanted to say. But I, I read this in my quiet time uh, th- this week and it's in Proverbs 19.3. It says, there are some people who ruin their own lives, then blame it on God. Proverbs 19.3, there are some people, <laughs> the message puts it like this, people ruin their lives by their own, uh, the, yeah, put their own stupidity, so why does God always get the blame? <laughs> and the Amplified, just, it, it, puts it, like, it says, he blames the Lord instead of himself. And I just think, you know what? We... If you're blaming God, that means you believe in God, means you've got a relationship with God, means you've got a connection. It just means you're an idiot. And I'm not pointing the finger, I promise you this, I promise you this. The frustrations I've had with God and the anger I've poured out to God and the decorative language I've used in my... It's prayer, because you're talking to God's prayer, it doesn't matter how you do it, it's prayer. And where I've just... Oh, so angry and so God this and why this and all of this and you know what a lot of it was consequences to my own stupidity my own ignorance or my own arrogance and and God's so patient and gentle and kind and he just sits there and cops it and, and he just sort of lets us get it out of our system but then he'll let you he waits till you're at the end and then you've got nothing left and <laughs> there's a guy called Job and he went through a process like this he was he, man, you've never had a hard day compared to this guy. He he lost everything, just literally everything. And then at the end of it all, he's lost his family, he's lost his business, he's lost his health, he's lost, he's got boils all over his whole body. He's scraping them off with broken bits of pottery. You haven't had, you know, you're not at the end until you're scraping bits of boils off yourself with broken pottery. <laughs> And he's at the end, his mates are telling him, it's your fault, Job, you bought this on yourself because you're a sinner and you've got secret sin, hidden sin. And his wife's like, man, God is not faithful to you. Just cut him loose, get rid of him, curse him and die. She wants him gone. She's had enough of being connected to this guy. She's like, and he's at the end. And he's like, God, what is going on here? And we understand he actually handled it pretty well because he says he didn't sin by blaming God, but we... Do, we, we can see that God 
let, it, let him get it out of his system. Let him get the questions out of his system. And then God got really serious with him in uh, chapter 38 of Job. He says this. Then God spoke to Job out of the storm. And he said, Who is this who, that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. You know, you've been questioning God. Why, 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 why? And now God's like, right, you're all done. Now I will question you. And you will answer me. Because I'm not asking you a question and leaving it there. I want an answer from you. And he says this. Tell me, uh, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. Surely you know. Surely. Come on. You're sitting there talking to me like you know stuff. You're telling me how I should do things. Tell me. Let, let, let's get chat man to man. Let's, you, and God is saying to this guy, get back in your box. Get back in your box. You've got no idea what you're talking about. And it's cool that God's patient and he, he's a loving father and he's, a, he, he's, a, he's amazing. He's generous and he's compassionate and kind. But there is a time where he will want you to get to the end and he will tell you, get back in your box. Who are you? to tell me how I should do things. Like, we think we're so smart. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm a reasonably intelligent guy. But can I tell you a few things I don't know much about? Football. I love football. Football fan my whole life. Eagles fan, so I do know that much about football. That, that. But I'm sitting there on my couch telling the coach on the TV how he should do things. Telling these superstar men and women who've given their life and dedicated how they should be doing things. And I'm like, well, you should just do this and why don't they just... You know? I don't know what's going on behind the scenes. I don't know what the, the things that... The little hidden reasons. I don't know that, that this guy can't chase that guy because he's actually nursing an injury. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't know the ins and outs of it. I don't understand the bigger picture. I don't understand the plan. It's like when our kids tell us, oh God, the <laughs> I had one of my kids a little while ago telling me about they want to move out of home. <laughs> They're looking forward to it. They're looking forward to the day they move out of home because they can eat chocolate for dinner. <laughs> I'm like, well, that, you know, cool, cool. That's because they know stuff. And <laughs> it's like us talking to God because they want to eat chocolate for dinner. <laughs> but in their little minds, they're like, what an unfair environment I'm living in. You make me hate this green, horrible, nasty broccoli. You make me do, yeah, I have a bedtime. That's what I'm going to stay up as late as I want and eat chocolate for dinner. Cool. But it's, uh, they don't understand the reasons behind that. The big pictures are just eluding them. One of the things that I find hilarious, especially after pastoring a church for a while, where all of a sudden you're in a position where you, you are where a lot where you're, as much as it's a privileged position, it's a position where there are a lot of behind-the-scenes 
decisions that need to be made and not all of it's seen and, and so much of it's misunderstood. And, and there was, so when we talk, you know, we see the, the government. Now we've got a church of about 100 people. The government, our government has a, a church, if you like, of 20 million people, 25 million people. And we're there judging them, you should do this and you should. I've got no idea. We've no idea whatsoever. So as a pastor, we get some interesting things. People tell us ideas and, you know, and I remember one guy was saying, well, you don't understand because you don't have a real job. Well, it must be nice for you because you get to spend your day reading the Bible and praying. And, and I'm just like, okay, obviously you're coming to me with, from a perspective that's ill-informed. And, and, as my, and I'm not saying that people don't have good ideas and, and I was out to dinner with a friend this week and he was telling me about his little daughter. He said things, they've got a little chart on their fridge about uh, helping them manage their emotions and their colours. And so when you get to the, I think like there's yellow and then there's red for the anger. And then there's like coping, there's little keys of what to do. Uh, but you know, when this happens, okay, this is a good idea. Go and talk to the person or take some time out to think about things. And, and he said he was... He started to get into an argument with the mum. They were, and then the little girl comes up. She says, "Daddy, you sound like you're getting into the yellow. Now, what do you think you should do?" <laughs> it's not to say people can't come to us with good ideas. I'm just saying, so often we we just don't know the bigger picture, and and God really wants us to get to this place where we get that He's the Creator, and we're the created thing. He's the creator and we're the created thing. And as much as he's our father, he is still God Almighty. And if we're able to, to really, you want to, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. You want to wrap your head around this. You want to wrap your head around how big God is. How much we don't know. Revelations chapter 4 and verse 8. All of Revelations 4 actually is about this. But I'm just going to pull out a couple of verses here. To really picture it, this is heaven. This is what's going on right now in heaven. Right now in heaven. Our Father God is sitting on a, a throne where amazing things are happening. But then it says here, that there's four living creatures with six wings full of eyes around and under their wings. They worship without ceasing day and night. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, who was and is and is coming. And, who, and whenever the living creatures gave glory, honor, and thanks to the one who is enthroned and lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell face down before the one seated on the throne, and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrendered their crowns before the throne, singing, You are worthy, our God, our Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power. For you created all things, and for your pleasure they were created and exist. You want to get a real picture of what's actually of who we're dealing with here? That's him. That's the dude. He's got angels that are buckling at his glory because they've got proper revelation of who he is and who, he, who they're dealing with. And their response to encountering the fullness of God is to buckle and just, you are holy, you are holy. Pour out just, the, like, so when we're encountering this God and he's speaking to us, It's good to talk to God, but it's better to listen. It's better to listen. I mean, get stuff off your chest, that's fine. But in it, we don't accuse. In, in it, we've actually got to come from the place of, okay, God, you're a lot bigger than me. You're a lot wise. I'm just, I'm a created thing. You're the creator. And then, like the passage tells us to go boldly before the throne of grace 
Like we're able to go before, but it's still, it's the throne. We go boldly to that throne, but you're still encountering that God. You're still encountering that king. Even though we approach boldly, it will still buckle us if we appreciate who we're actually dealing with. So when we're in this place, we're encountering Christ. Even in Philippians 2, it says this. It says, Jesus, talking about Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather making himself nothing by taking the, nature, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. This is exactly the passage we've just read from Matthew. He says, he humbled himself. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He humbled himself. How did he humble himself? He's, he came to the point where he's like, okay, not my, this is what I want, but not what I want, but what you want. He's humbled himself. We need to get to this place where we will humble ourselves before God. And what does that mean? That means we stop telling him how to do things. We stop insisting he does things our way. We actually start to say, hey, God, this is what I want. But you know the passage says he already knows what you want before you ask. Still ask him. Still talk to him. He wants his kids to talk to him. But it says he knows. And, and it's where to stop telling him to do things the way he wants and start to, saying God, start to say, God, do to me what you want. Jesus, change me. Jesus, change me. And when we start to do that, we're going to start seeing these 20-year patterns broken, these 40-year patterns broken, these, these patterns of addiction that have held us forever, these pa patterns of bondage that have held us for so long. And we've said to God, you can come this far and but no further because I want to be healed this way. We're sitting there as a blind man saying my hand out, saying, I want money, God. No, 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 I don't want my eyes. I want money. Can't you see I need money? I'm starving. And we're telling God to give us money instead of our sight. And we're limiting what the King of Heaven can do in our lives because even though He does change everything, we have to let Him change it to actually for the work to happen. So we need to come to this place of humility where we actually recognize who He is. We can, we need to stop. We need to put Him at the place of God in our lives. Until then, your Jesus will be. The picture of a, a statue on a cross. It'll be a baby in a manger. It'll be a swear word. It'll be a byword. It'll be a cool Sunday club that we attend. God is not interested in temporary relief of your discomfort. He wants to permanently change your life. He wants your life to be radically transformed. As we're coming into this Easter season, I really believe that God wants to wake us up. He wants us to wake up. I think he's tired of his church treating him on their terms. He's tired of us approaching him on our terms. And I think he's asking us, he's giving us the opportunity to wake up. He's giving us the opportunity to say, hey, where were you when I laid the foundation of the world? I'm cool with you talking with me. You come boldly before my throne of grace, but we need to, if you actually want to receive from me, you need to understand who I am. You need to stop coming to my throne of grace, telling me how I need to do it. We're taking the privilege that we have as sons and daughters. 
It's like my kids coming and telling me how I should run their household finances or how we should cook dinner. It's like, it ain't happening. We're not spending all of our money on Pokemon cards. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to be eating chocolate for dinner. You will have a bedtime. It, it, there are certain things. I don't care that they're my kids and I love them and I will die for them. And I, there is no limit. It doesn't change the fact that I'm their dad and I'm bigger and I know more. And so when they approach me, there is a certain level of... They need to get to a place where they recognize what is going on so I can release to them what they actually need. It's almost like a point where we need to stop telling God what we want so he can give us what we need. And he's not someone who would rip us off. He's not someone who would steal from us. You've got to recognize that this is the one who gave his one and only son. But that one and only son then modeled to us how we should live as humans. You've got to recognize, like, the scripture says that we were made a little lower than El Shaddai. We were made a little lower than God. Often the translations say a little lower than the angels, but that's not the original translation. It's saying we're made a little lower than God. In the image of God, he created them. Man and woman, he created them. We've been given authority over all created things. That includes angels. All, they're created things. He's the creator. We've been given authority over all created things. Jesus didn't come as an angel. He came as a man. We're in this place where these beings that we have authority over know more than us. These servants of God see him in a way that we're not seeing him so they're able to live with more privilege than we are living because they're recognizing how sovereign he is they're recognizing how great he is they're recognizing who he is and my challenge for us as we I love this where we're as, as a church we're entering a time of uh, prayer and fasting to we just want to get to know God more that's what we're, we're going up we're saying God I want to know you more here I am, I'm positioning myself to, to let you teach me more about you. I, I'm going to go, you know, we're, we're going to be in the Word, we're going to be praying, we're going to be taking our flesh off the throne. And I just feel that in this season, God's going to start to speak to us. He's going to become so real to us that it's going to change the way we approach Him. It's going to change the way we approach uh, the, our lives. And it's when we're in this place where we understand how big he is, how mighty he is. All of a sudden, our problems are not going to seem so big. And when we go to him, yeah, we need money because we're hungry, but he's going to say, yeah, but I'm going to restore your sight. We'll, we'll be talking to him about our hunger, and he'll say, yeah, well, let's get to the heart of the issue. Let's get to lasting change. Because when we stop telling him what he needs to do in our life, He's able to start telling us what he needs to do in our life. He starts, he's able to start to speak to us about what we need to allow him to do in our lives. And I just think this season that we're coming into where Jesus changes everything is going to start to happen in our lives. And I'm prophesying right now that addictions are going to be broken. I'm seeing um, strongholds in minds just getting just torn down. Wrong beliefs that have just kept people in bondage are just going to go. 
And I just think we really need to take this season seriously. I encourage everybody to join us in, uh, in you know, this period of fasting that we're going to be doing, prayer and fasting. And, and I just think God is going to do something radical in our lives. Um, I'm going to stop here. I'm going to stop here. Can I just ask the worship team up? We're just going to do business with God. We're going to do business with God. I want us just to quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, and just let God speak to us. Thank you, Lord. As the team plays, and leads us in one more song, I just... Just take the posture of surrender. Say, God, I've got so much need in my life. But I can promise you that the massive list of needs actually comes back to a few key issues. And we're, we're just going to invite God to get to the heart of the matter. Lord, that you would get to the heart of the matter, Lord. Lord, we're here with so much noise in our minds. But we're not blaming you, God, for messes we've caused or messes caused by other people. We want you to get to the heart of the matter. And like the blind man, God, we, we're saying we want to see like the lame man, Lord, we, we, we want to walk. Yeah, Lord, just, just feel just deliverance even just taking place right now. And just feel things just dropping off people even right now. Just feel fear going right now. Right now, I just prophesy to the barriers that stop people trusting God I speak to you and I say fall right now drop right now I just cancel the lie that's holding you up the lie that says God is not good for you that God is not for you command you fall to the ground right now just feel someone even just right now just receiving the love of God for the first time Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to worship church. And I just want us just to surrender, just to do business with God.